a Podcast One production. Hi, I'm Nat Kringudis. And I'm Cecilia Ramsdale. Welcome to The Wellness Collective, a podcast where we invite you to be part of our wellness community to share, learn and live better. this series of the Wellness Collective, we're going to be bringing you ideas and information on women's health, how to live better and how to be well. Stick with us and we will introduce you to some amazing people with some incredible information and stories to share. For those of you who don't know, you, Nat Kringudis, you are a doctor of Chinese medicine, an acupuncturist, an author. You've created a, a brand of nuts, which how good is that? You are nuts, that's why. <laughs> you're a speaker, you're an all-round natural fertility expert, you make hormones oh happy. Oh my heavens. You debunk it's, stuff. It sounds like I'm like a one-man band, but I'm not. I am not. <laughs> I am, yes, I am the owner of a clinic here in Melbourne, but I really made it my mission quite some time ago to help women understand their bodies better. And that is actually what makes my heart sing more than anything. But maybe we also need to talk about you. It's not just about me. Well, no, I mean, I came along because you wanted to do a podcast and you put the call out for someone to do it with. And I came from a radio background, not knowing anything about women's health. And I I got the gig, which is amazing for me because I feel like every time we get together, my brain expands. And I'm hoping (laughs) if you're listening now, yours is about to expand as well. And over this podcast series, we'll look at all kinds of health issues and situations, get experts, guests, have a lot of anecdotes from the clinic to share with you. I love them. I know. I'm excited. But in today's episode, hormones to the side for the moment because we are going to feature a lot of different things in this series and today we're going to start with plastic surgery. Hmm. We had the chance to catch up with someone who seems like a bit of an anomaly on paper. He is a holistic plastic surgeon. Yes, his name's Dr Tony Yun and his approach to plastic surgery is a little different from what you might expect. First things first, Cecilia. Yeah. Would you ever contemplate going under the knife? Mm. Well, uh... I actually had a nose job about 12 years ago. Really? Yes, yes. It's a fine nose you're sporting there. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I didn't ask for it, however. It wasn't <laughs> like I uh, had had agonised over it. And I know, like, we shouldn't make light of it because there are people who grow up with noses that they really don't like. I quite liked my nose. Mm. But I was in a car accident and my nose got broken. And so in the trauma ward at the hospital, they gave me a brand new one, which was great because it works as a nose and I can breathe and all those things. But it was very strange for the coming months after that. Is your nose the same as your old nose? Does it look the same? Uh, Well, to me, it didn't. And for a long time, when I saw people that I knew, I'd sort of go, are they looking at me? (laughs) Are they going, that doesn't look quite look Did you feel like the need to explain every time? Hi, I'm Cecilia, I've got a new nose. Yeah, I did, (laughs) which is baffling if you hadn't met me before, (laughs) I'm sure. But uh, no, I didn't get to pick one from a catalogue. I just Mm. got the one I was given. And it did take me a long time. So the psychology of it, apart from the plastic surgeon doing a great job, in what would have been difficult circumstances, I suppose, which I think they do a lot of, actually, Mm. that the psychological side of it was massive for me. Mm. It took me a long time to come to terms with my new nose because your nose is the centrepiece of your face, isn't it? I'm looking at you now and that's Mm. kind of where you look at someone, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) But also it's quite interesting because you see a lot of people changing various features yeah. of their face oh, and it's all good and well common. when it's a still picture. Yes. You might not actually look any different but when, pe- you know, there's moving parts to your face, uh-huh. when people talk or, you know, express themselves often, it can look very different. Well, I suppose when you've got fillers and mm. and uh, yeah. Botox and all those kind of things which are not part of plastic surgery. So we obviously, we're talking all about Dr Tony, mm. Dr Anthony. 
but we also wanted to find out a little bit of what goes on here in our own backyard. And that's why we we went to the top. We went to the, direct to the College of Plastic Surgeons to find out more. So my name is Dr Ghazi Hussain. I'm the Vice President of the Australian Society of Plastic Surgeons. Basically, the way things are in Australia is that at this point, any doctor with a basic medical degree can call themselves a cosmetic surgeon. So it's a bit difficult because unlike, you know, an orthopaedic surgeon where you've got to do all the training and if you've got a broken bone, you go to an orthopaedic surgeon. Theoretically in Australia, if you wanted to have cosmetic surgery, you can go to any doctor and they could do cosmetic surgery on you. So you don't have to be a plastic surgeon. You don't actually have to be a specialist surgeon to be a cosmetic surgeon. Whereas with a plastic surgeon, it's essentially at least a seven-year training program, which is all undertaken under the supervision and the control of the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons. Oh, yeah, there is plenty to think about before you head into a plastic surgeon to look at changing your appearance, surely. And speaking with Dr Ghazi Hussain, it made us realise that, thankfully, a qualified plastic surgeon actually does have your best interests at heart. It's interesting, but it's more along the lines of wanting to find out what motivates patients to come and and see us and and, and have that discussion around what is it that they're trying to achieve, you know, what is it that their expectations are and and whether those expectations are are realistic or not because obviously that's a concern when you have people who come in with unrealistic expectations, um, going to their sort of psychology. Um, At the Australian Society of Plastic Surgeons, we've been working closely with psychologists for the last year or so, just to look into that in terms of how we can better educate ourselves. I thought Dr Ghazi Hussain was great. Mm. I mean, so approachable and uh, light-hearted and he talked about all the stuff that plastic surgeons do to improve people's lives, which I'd never really thought about before. Mm. I mean, when we decided to do an episode about plastic surgery, I was just thinking boob jobs and <laughs> ears pinning and nose jobs, right? But it's so yes. much more. Yes. To, to well, that's what you learned. So you've had more right. of an experience than I have with that. But yeah, you're right. So, I mean, they do breast reductions, not just, you know, making it bigger. Uh, skin grafts, fixing hair lips. I mean, you think about something like that. That's a huge impact on someone's life. Absolutely. And it's not just about vanity and self-image at all. No, but there are people that have, you know, for breasts is a very common mm. um, breast augmentation, especially for women that have quite large chests. Yeah. I can understand that would be painful. Well, it is. Mm. But, you know, if you are really unhappy with your appearance, you might consider going down this road. Interestingly, that's where this idea of the holistic plastic surgeon could just be your answer. Um, My name is Dr. Anthony Yoon. I'm a board-certified plastic surgeon. I'm known as America's holistic plastic surgeon. I came across Dr. Anthony when I was in the States for a conference, and I had never before heard of a holistic plastic surgeon, so I was naturally... I was intrigued. Mm. Well, holistic plastic surgery basically means treating the mind, body, and the soul. And, you know, I I trained traditionally in plastic surgery. I did four years of medical school, uh, three years of general surgery residency, two years of plastic surgery residency training, and a year fellowship. So it's a lot of training. Yet during all that time, basically what I learned is how to take care of sick people and how to perform surgery. And there is so much more to looking your best and feeling your best than just that. That's what I call holistic plastic surgery is taking the whole body into it. That is exactly what you want a doctor to say, right? But wait, 
There's more. It's talking about skincare. It's uh, talking about the diet, the food that you eat that can have profound impacts on your aging. And even all of these non-surgical other options that we have to turn back the clock and get us looking and feeling the way that we want to. So it kind of blows my mind that Dr. Anthony's a plastic surgeon, but his philosophy is to treat from the inside out and to get to the root cause of what's actually causing the issue. This is something I personally really Mm -hmm. believe in Chinese medicine is totally based around treating the root and not just the symptom. Um, And just treating the symptom alone can be quite problematic long term. So it's fine to, you know, if you need some relief, you've got some nasty pesky things showing up, that's fine. But to use that as a long term treatment is not really viable, I find, in the clinic. I had never really thought about that before I met you because I'd grown up with Western medicine as being the way that you deal with stuff. I think every modality has its place. Oh, of course. And, you know, we're saving lives with Western medicine. I think where these complementary therapies can really be of benefit, it's it's not actually what you do when you go to your doctor's office. It's actually what you do when you leave. It's the day-to-day lifestyle that you live, what you put in your mouth, what you feel every day. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to the doctor and going, actually, don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) But I would never have thought to actually say to my doctor, well, what could be causing this? Oh, and you know, the other thing too is that as a medical professional myself, we are bound by what we can and can't say. So this is very interesting Mm. is, you know, your doctor might have other things that he wants to say, but he may not actually be able to say those because it's considered outside of his scope. So what's outside of my scope? What's outside of his scope? He's there to diagnose diagnose and prescribe. That's his job. He's doing his job. So, you know, there's a time and place for everything. I think it's really important. I do experience a lot of this, not only in my clinic, but firsthand my son, Geordie, he has a condition known as cystic fibrosis. Mm -hmm. It's a genetic condition. He was born with it. And throughout this series, you're probably going to hear me refer to him (laughs) a lot. He has been one of my biggest teachers in terms of looking at how we can integrate both Western and complementary medicine. And one of the things I'm always amazed about, however, is how we're very quick to treat symptoms, especially of a condition of that magnitude. Well, this is the thing. I mean, really with a condition like cystic fibrosis or anything that's a genetic condition, then I guess the thinking for a long time would be that, well, you have to keep that person healthy and as happy and healthy as they can be with that genetic condition. But of course, you're saying now that there's a different way of thinking about approaching genetic conditions. It's called epigenetics. We'll have to get into that another yeah, yeah, time, won't we? Day. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> Back be a to whole poor Anthony. <laughs> so Dr. Anthony's into this idea of dealing with the cause of things. But of course, he's looking at ageing issues and wrinkles that don't include surgery. There are certain rules definitely that people should try to follow. So just for example, if you're going to avoid one type of food, the number one thing is you want to decrease the amount of sugar that you eat. So, you know, people have gone on diets to decrease the sugar and the carbs. What they don't know actually is that sugar and carbs can actually accelerate the ageing process. And it does that by the process of glycation, uh, but also by creating inflammation. And that same inflammation that eating too much sugar can can cause on the inside of our bodies can actually manifest on the outside of our bodies as well and can cause us to age more quickly. Um, The number one thing to start 
to really try doing is increasing the number of fresh fruits and vegetables that you eat. And the main reason bec- uh, that that works to help reduce your aging and slow it down is because those antioxidants, you know, those fight off the free radicals that can really attack your skin and cause your skin to age prematurely. Now, don't you feel he's kind of doing himself out of work, <laughs> suggesting that, you know, this very different approach when he's actually a surgeon? Yeah, I do. Well, you know, I, I took the Hippocratic Oath when I uh, got my uh, medical degree, and the number one thing is is trying to uh, do what's best for my patients. And sometimes doing what's best for your patients is saying no. So I do say no to a lot of my patients. No, surgery is not right for you. I mean, I do perform surgery, and there are those times when surgery really is the only good option for certain patients. But I do say no. Sometimes I'll send patients to other doctors who I think will treat them better than me. You know, they maybe do an operation much better than I do, or they have more experience with it. Um, But really what it comes down to is doing what's best for the patient. Oh, it's very reassuring. But thankfully, that is the professional approach that we have here in Australia too. We're very lucky, as Dr. Hussein told us. You know, sometimes um, subtle um, psychological disorders are not always easy to pick up on. And and, and that's why, you know, we, we, in our training, we, we talk about having, you know, good consultations, but also more than one consultation. So certainly when I see a patient who's considering cosmetic surgery, I'll see them at least two times and sometimes three times um, and see them over a period of time so that there's a chance for them to actually process what's been told to them. Um, You know, we have cooling off periods. Um, We have, you know, we want to make sure that the patient's fully understood that. But also you want to get a chance to sort of form a relationship in terms of, of... between two people just to make sure that, that you know we both understand each other and that and that we're going to you know at the end of the day get a good result for the patient and if there's anything that comes out in that consultation process where you think I don't think I'm going to achieve the outcome that this patient wants then obviously the best thing is not to operate on that person in the first place. reasons why someone might be unhappy with their appearance and ageing, it's probably one of the biggest ones. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, you know, making parts bigger or smaller or wider. I don't know. What's your thing about ageing? What are you worried about? Well. Wrinkles? Yeah, I don't really love the wrinkles. But, you know, at the same time, I don't really like the other options. I feel like I'm okay with wrinkles. I'm okay with wrinkles. I think I think it's about embracing mm. The ageing process. And yeah. I think a lot of us try and work against it <laughs> when we just have to just do our best to work with it. You think about all the things that are good about ageing, though. Like, you know yourself better and your expectations of oh, things are that, different. And yes, yes, yes. And, I'm you just, know, you embrace your wobbly bits and whatnot. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm just not into grey hair. But anyway, that's a whole other <laughs> See, there's episode. always there's always something. Mm. You know, perhaps you've had an accident or an illness and want some part of your body adjusted or improved. Or maybe you've had a really bad habit over. Mm. Mm-hmm. lifetime that's totally taken its toll on your body. If you were to ask me, what what is the one thing that you are most proud of in the entire time you've been plastic, practicing plastic surgery? I'll tell you, it is the number of people I've gotten off cigarettes. Because I'll tell them, they'll, they'll say, you know, I've been smoking for 30 years. I didn't quit for anything. I'll say, okay, if you want your facelift, you need to stop smoking and you need to be done. You either pick looking younger 
or smoking. And you will be shocked at how many people will keep smoking even though they have lung disease and heart disease. But my God, they want that facelift or they want that tummy tuck. They got to get off the cigarettes. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. And that's avoidable, right? I can tell what a patient's diet is and some of their, um, and, and if they're a smoker, literally within minutes of meeting them. You can tell literally, you know, after doing this for the last 13 years, I can spot a smoker right when I walk in the room to consult with somebody because their skin looks drier, it looks flatter, there's more wrinkles. Um, there's so many of these types of things where really your diet and your lifestyle can have profound impacts on how quickly you age. You know, we can't blame all of this on genetics and even just on the Sun. The thing I love about this conversation, right, is that we've all had times in our lives we've done the wrong thing or yeah. not eaten well, smoked, drunk Isn't too that much. Called being like twenty to thirty. Oh, there's no avoiding how that impacts us and our bodies. And his approach is, well, if we don't want to, we don't have to live with it forever. But the concept of having surgery, it's such a huge one, isn't it? Oh, yeah. There are risks with surgery. And when people ask me, hey, Dr. Yoon, you know, I'm thinking about a tummy tuck, but, but I'm a little afraid of the risk. What's the worst thing that can happen to me? We start with, you can die. Okay, and we work from there because it is something that I take super seriously. And, and yeah, I mean, there are so many things now that we can do by changing your diet, by, by putting yourself on the right skincare products, by, by trying things at home. There are at-home lasers and lotions and potions that you can use that really can work wonders and stuff we have in the office. But when it comes down to surgery, you know, that's a whole other ball game. And I'm very choosy with who I operate on. Oh, I love it. Can you imagine? I mean, really, that would that would sort the wheat from the chaff, wouldn't it? If you go in and you've got this idea that you want this particular thing done and the surgeon's like, well, I don't really know. How about I say to you, the biggest risk is you could die. That would certainly sort some people out, I think. Uh, look, I did some research on The Good Doctor and I found that he has some other tricks up his sleeve as well. Years ago, I was on a national television show and, and I said the holy grail of plastic surgery is getting rid of unwanted fat without diet, without exercise and without surgery. And at the time, I said, we just don't have that. Like, it's either you lose weight on your own, you get rid of the fat on your own, or you have liposuction. Well, now we, now we actually have that. We do have the ability to get rid of stubborn, unwanted fat without going under the knife. Cool sculpting is one of them. In my office, we recently brought in uh, the newest one of these called Sculpture. And this is a laser that will heat up the deep fat and cause it, the fat cells basically to die. And then your body clears that fat uh, through natural mechanisms. Basically, you poop it out. <laughs> and so, so what it does is a laser that bypasses the surface of your skin. So it's different than, let's say, a fractional laser that you've had before. But it bypasses the surface of the skin, heats up the deep fat, damages that deep fat, and then your body gets rid of it. And after one 25-minute treatment, you can get upwards of a 24% reduction in the thickness of that fat. It does take uh, up to three months for you to see that effect, um, but it does definitely work. Sci-fi, laser, mm. heating fat, liquefying <laughs> in that, and then you poop it out? <laughs> yeah, that's just one Ooh. of them. There's more. The important thing is that these are not for weight loss. And so the ideal patient for something like this is somebody who says, look, I take great care of myself. I exercise regularly. I eat a good diet um, and I'm in good shape. I just have, darn it, these, these uh, saddlebags that my mom gave me or darn it, I've got these love handles that my dad gave me. These are these stubborn areas that just don't go away no matter what you do. Because you and I know, you know, if you've got, let's say, fat of your upper arms and you do tricep uh, extensions, that's not going to make that fat go away. You know, if, if 
you've got fat in your tummy and you do tons of sit-ups, you can do a thousand sit-ups a day, it's not going to make that fat go away because your body will determine what fat it wants to get rid of. And so these treatments are really for people who are in good shape, they take care of themselves, and gosh darn it, their parents just gave them the genetic tendency to have a, a, a bit of fat in a certain unwanted area. Well, it can become a constant journey to look better. The way I look at it is very simple. If it's something that can make you look better, uh, and we agree that it can improve your appearance, improve how you feel about yourself, then by all means, let's do it. As long as those risks outweigh, or the benefits outweigh the risks, we're okay. But if we're changing something just for changing's sake, and sometimes that's what people want, they just want to change, but it's not necessarily going to make them look better, then I definitely don't do it. I think, though, the elephant in the room here is that patient who becomes addicted to plastic surgery, and we've all seen them in magazines, the person that ends up looking like a cat or what have you. I mean, how do you know whether plastic surgery is actually going to solve the problems of how you feel about your appearance? I try to determine that in advance, you know. So there are certain red flags as a plastic surgeons that we look for um, th- that may give us a sign that somebody is just not going to be happy no matter what you do. And the first thing is unrealistic expectations. You know, if, if I explain the surgery to them and they say, well, I want a perfect result, then, oh, I don't think that we're going to operate on you because I'm not going to get you perfect. But if, let's say, we do a procedure and somebody's not happy, if I think I can improve it, then by all means, that's what we try to do. You know, where it becomes difficult is when somebody's not happy, but there's no way to make it better. And that's when it really becomes difficult. And I really feel for those patients because, you know, you do get patients where you, you do a surgery, let's say you do a facelift and they look fantastic afterwards. Everybody's telling them, telling them they look great. Yet when they look in the mirror, they're just not happy. Well, both of the doctors said that they need to look at the psychology of the person and, you know, that that could be actually fueling the constant need for improvement or it's not actually about the external it's it's actually what's going on inside and you know from Mm. a mindset perspective um however i do know having said that (laughs) i did have this cut out of my face you can see i have quite a large scar on my face the person listening right now can't see but but uh, i'm telling (laughs) you that it is quite large yes and it was originally something that was removed that was considered potentially suspicious and then they cut it out and went oh no it's fine Mm. (laughs) I probably should have left it there anyway I did go to the plastic surgeon and he did (laughs) whilst I was on the table you know about to go under the knife he said to me oh well I suppose you don't want a scar love and I was like "Mm, that's why I came to you like (laughs) if I wanted a backyard job I wouldn't have needed to go in there but it has healed terribly so, and it's yeah. worse than what it was before, definitely. And I've gone on to learn that that's my skin has quite a weird way of dealing with scarring. And so it's just, it's fascinating because I guess that there's, you know, people that keep on going back for more and more and more. Mm. And then I'm looking at this going, please, no one else touch it. <laughs> Nobody touch it. It's going to only make it worse because clearly I have issues with healing. So it's very interesting. It's a, it's a wild, wild world. Both of the plastic surgeons we spoke to, Dr. Ghazi Hussain uh, in Australia and Dr. Anthony Yoon in America, our holistic plastic surgeon, they've really given me faith that, you know, it's it's something that is really worthwhile. It's something there for people who need it. And it isn't just this thing that you like, oh, I'm unhappy with this and I don't want to have to do any exercise or whatever. I can just go to the surgeon and sort it out. And even with these crazy, you know, heating and cooling and pooping and <laughs> those amazing things. Yeah, that Dr. Anthony Yoon has got. Hey, thanks for joining us for this first episode of our uh, podcast series. 
There are more available, so go and have a listen to the next one. Hopefully you're sunning yourself on the beach and feeling oh. amazing and youthful yeah, and that. beautiful. And if you have any questions, don't hesitate to contact us again via my website, natcringudas.com. We hope that throughout this series you are going to enjoy learning and meeting people that will help put you on the path to being happier and healthier. Till next time. See you then. 